Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. What do we take from that with regard to our, our Christian giving? We do reap what we sow. You know, I, I, I believe that as we're generous, as we're giving that, you know, if, if I'm a giver and I'm generous, it, there, there'll be times where I come into need. I believe I can look to the Lord and say, God, I, when you have blessed me, I was a good steward. You know, I was faithful with how I used what you gave me. When I had opportunity, I gave to others in need. Uh, I haven't been a bad steward. I've been a good steward. And so now I'm, I'm looking to you to help me. I'm in a jam. Are you a good steward of what the Lord has given you? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he shares with you the importance of stewardship. God is a generous God. He gives abundantly and takes care of his children. Pastor Bill encourages you to be faithful with what God has provided to you and to model after your Heavenly Father by being generous to others. You reap what you sow. Sow generously for the Lord. Show your gratitude to Him by being generous as well. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as he continues his message, The Grace of Giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting at verse 8, he's kind of looking back at everything he's already said, um, that we're, you know, the, you know, giving was to be free willing, that that the, the, the Macedonian church had first given themselves. So it wasn't even about the money first. First they gave themselves and then they gave up their resources to, to, to help the work of God. Then as we came down to verse seven, he says, but you know, you, you abound in everything. The, the Corinthians were, they were abounding in all these other graces. They were abounding in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They were abounding in speech. They were abounding in knowledge. They were, they were excelling in a lot of areas, but they weren't doing well in giving. And so at the, the last thing we left off with was Paul saying, you guys, word, <laughs> I want you guys, I want you to excel in this as well. As much as you guys excel in all these other areas, I want you to also excel in this grace. It's the, the grace of giving. And so look at verse eight now. It says, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. And so Paul says here, look, I don't speak by commandment. And does this mean that, you know, we're not to take serious what he says or that we don't have to do it? I, I believe the heart is this. When he says, look, I don't speak by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. What if um, for you guys that are in marriage relationships, what if wives, what if your husband was loving to you because he had to, like if he didn't love you, God was going to punish him immediately. Would you feel that that love was sincere or would that love be out of fear for retribution? You know, uh, what if your husband was like, I, babe, I, I, he's never been loving before, but after God threatened him, he's like, I love you. I love you. I swear. I swear. I mean, I mean, with all my heart, I do everything you say. I do the dishes. I bust the suds or whatever. It would be an insincerity to that love. And so when Paul says, look, I'm not saying this by commandment. I'm testing your sincerity. I'm, I'm one of the things that God, I believe God takes off of us in the New Testament is saying, look, you know, I'm not doing this by commandment. You're not going to be cursed with a curse. Right now, you get to show your sincerity. Like, you, do you love the Lord? Do you love your brothers and sisters in the church? Do you want to have a part in, in giving that the work might continue? Then you have the liberty to give. And I'm not making it a commandment because one of the things we looked at last week is that God wants it to be done freely. He wants us to be freely willing to do so. Amen. I don't believe God wants us to do it out of constraint or out of a sense of obligation or if I don't, I'm going to get it. So when he says, look, I don't say this by commandment, um, God desires it to be done out of a willing heart, not something that I have to do. 
but something that we get to do to the glory of God for the furtherance of the kingdom. And I think that's the mindset that we should have. This isn't something I have to do. It's something that I get to do uh, for the glory of God, for the furtherance of the kingdom. It's the same attitude when it comes to Christian service. When you serve and you serve in a church, it should never be looked at as something I, I have to do. I don't get up Sunday mornings like, I got to go preach the word to them people, you know. I get up like, it's a privilege to me. I, Sunday is my favorite day of the week, for you guys don't know that. I look forward to, you know, I, I'm like, I, I stay up Saturday night looking forward to Sunday morning. I get up early Sunday morning looking forward to being here with you guys. This is my privilege. And so in the same way that with serving, it's our privilege, not a burden. I got to, I get to do this in your name, for your people. I get to dispense your word with a privilege. What a blessing. The same is true with, with our giving and those things. I, I get to give back that your work might continue. What a privilege. What a blessing. That's the heart that God would have us to have on this issue. Amen. Look at verse nine. Now he says, for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And so what he does here is he points to Jesus as the example. And Jesus is always our example in everything. But he says, Jesus is also our example in giving. He says, for your sakes or our sakes, though he was rich. When was Jesus rich? When he was in heaven, right? He was in heaven. He had everything at his disposal. The angels worshiped him 24-7. They treated him the way he was supposed to be treated. He was in glory, glorified. Everything that he deserved was there in heaven. He said, but for your sake, he became poor. When did he become poor? When he came to earth and was born of a virgin and had parents that were unwed. And people was talking smack about his mom and dad and his father was a carpenter. That's he became poor. Jesus, God became poor. He had a mom and dad telling him what to do. Can you imagine that? That God left heaven. He left glory to come to earth and have a mom and dad. And Jesus picked that up. Jesus, Jesus clean up your room. You know, I mean, and, and, he, and he did it. You know, he was an obedient kid. You know, he didn't disobey. He probably made his siblings sick. Like he was the perfect child, you know, but he came. He became poor. He's an he's, he's, and it's, he's Paul is putting this forth as an example. He says, do you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? What's grace? We talked about it last week. It's, it's an unmerited favor. Look at what God's done for you that you don't deserve. That though he was rich, he was rich. He had everything. Yet for your sakes, for your benefit, he became poor. And this is given to us as an example, right? That, that God, you know, Jesus, God, the son, he gave up what he possessed that we might benefit. And that's the mindset of giving that we at times we're giving of what we have that others might benefit from it. It's not for us. He gave um, though he was rich yet for your sakes, he became poor. And it says for this reason that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, you know, there's some foolery out there. Bible teaching wise, when God says that we might become rich, is he talking about money? No, spiritual riches trump financial riches all day long. I hope we all know that and believe that. When God says, look, that you through his poverty might become rich, rich in what? Rich in a relationship with the Lord, rich in my destination, rich in where I'm going to spend eternity. There are things that you guys, the, the true riches are things that, that money cannot buy. Uh, I can't, you know, they're, they're true riches, the things that God gives. If God gives me salvation, I, there's not a dollar amount in the world that I would trade for my salvation. If you could trade it anyway, I would, I would not. You couldn't say, well, I'll give you $5 billion before I will pass. I'll be broke. I'll go to skid row with my salvation before I take that because these are true riches. They never run out. My relationship with the Lord is the things that really are valuable. And so I think that 
in our culture in which we live, there can become a mindset. We live in a, and we're in America. We, we unique to other places in the world. We live in a very, we're, we're a rich culture. Even people in America that think they're poor compared to people in, in, in the majority of other places in the world, our poor folk are rich. We got poor people on the street. I, I was on the street talking to people and can I tell you that most people on the street, you start talking to people, they live on the street, but they got cell phones. <laughs> Smartphones, you know. I got a guy that I, I regularly go see about on Starbucks on 120th and Crenshaw. And he, he lives in, he lives, you know, off off the 105 freeway. He lives in there, he lives in Holly Park, he goes back and forth. Um, brother got a tablet, smartphone. I mean, he has figured out how to, I'm like, you know. Even our poor people, you know, and I mean, and this is not to make fun of him, but he's overweight. So like our broke folk is even like, bro, you eating good. <laughs> you know, I, I make sure if, I tell him he got my number. If you're hungry, I'll feed him. I, I chop it up with him. I talk to him. But I'm like, man, our poor people is all right. You know, you look at other places in the world and they, they legitimately they don't have food. This brother has food in excess. He got Starbucks drinks. You know, he got people that take care of him or whatever. So. Um, even our poor are compared to other places, man, we have more than than most people have. Um, but again, true, true riches, not something you can put in the bank. True riches are not something you can bank, not something it's, it's something that is ours in the Lord. And so Jesus said, look, I through his poverty, through him, he laid all that down that you and me might become rich, that we might be blessed. And he is our example. Jesus is our example in giving. Um, was his giving sacrificial? Yes. Was it for the benefit of others? Yes. Did Jesus giving have something in mind for himself? No. He was worried. He was concerned about us. So when we give, right, if, if I encourage people to give so that you're, they're only giving in order to get something back for themselves, I, I believe it's not really following the example that Christ gave. There's a little bit of like, there's a, there's a selfishness. I think, I believe that giving is supposed to be something, hey, I'm just giving this. And whatever God does, however God chooses to bless my life, whether I never see it back on earth, whether I receive reward in heaven, if God is just pleased with my life, if this just goes to the work of God and the work of God continues because I was able to be a part of it, I'm, I'm glad to have been a part of what God's doing. Not I'm giving this and I have an expectation because what happens when you give like that is when it doesn't come back like that, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, I had a friend that I was privileged to watch him come to the Lord and he got saved. It was legitimate, genuinely born again. God touched his heart. It was it was it was awesome. I was there with him. I watched him give his life to the Lord. Um, I believe he went to the wrong church. Um, he went to a church where he had some friends and he got locked in there and they had a, a one week where they had different speakers come in. And my friend was a business owner. He was doing well financially and otherwise. And they told him at this conference that. You know, if you're giving what you can afford to give, they told him that, that, that God will never bless that kind of giving. They said, if you want God to bless your business, you give whatever it costs to run your business for a month. Give give your note. If you want God to bless your household, you don't just give your house note. Um, and so and he took he and again, they were saying, give that. And he said they, they're guaranteeing that God's going to give it back to you 10, 50, 100 fold. And so he gave his business note and he gave his uh, townhouse note. He gave, I mean, he did exactly what they told him to do. And then the money didn't come back. And guess who he thought let him down? He thought God let him down. I told him, brother, that God didn't let you down. That preacher let you down. He made you give wrong. That money ain't never coming back. 
you better pray. <laughs> you know, you better pray that God will have mercy on you for what you did. You gave it hoping to get something back. That brother, you know, I don't know what he did with what you gave, but it's gone. You don't give like that. That's a that motive was wrong. And I'm telling you, it never came back. And there was a while where he was stumbled in his walk in his relationship with the Lord, feeling like I, I did what I was supposed to do and it didn't work. And so, again, I do believe that God knows our hearts and he knows our motives. And so I don't believe our motive is to be. I'm giving like it's an investment that God owes me something back. God is a privilege. Everything I have came from you in the first place. And I willingly give this much back in worship. That's that's what it's to look like. And so um, I want that to be really clear for us, because um, I think, you know, God is as concerned with what we give as why we give it. God's concerned with the motivation of our heart. And if our motives are wrong, you can do the right thing with the wrong motive. And so I want to make sure we do the right things with the right motive. The motive is worship. Lord, we love you. I recognize what I have comes from you. It's a privilege to be a part of what you're doing. And, you know, maybe however you decide to bless my life. I do believe there's a blessing on my life as I give, but I don't expect it to be financial. I might just have the joy of being having been able to be a part. It might whatever it is. I believe that God, God, you bless me however you want. You know, uh, I'll take that. So moving on, he says in verse 10, he says, in, in this, I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you must also complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion of what you have. So for you guys that weren't here last week, the Corinthians had a year earlier made a decision that they were going to give to the church in Jerusalem that was poor. They were going to collect the offering and give it Uh, a year later. They haven't done what they committed to do. And so much like people today that there are people that may say, you know, God may move upon them. You know what? At the new year, I'm going to be I'm going to start giving faithfully now. I'm going to be faithful in my giving. And then, you know, after a week or two or or one or none, you know, it's like, well, I, I wasn't, you know, but man, <laughs> woo, you know, a change or whatever. They, they, had, they had took a year off. They had made a commitment, but they hadn't walked in it. And, you know, last week, Paul said, look, the Macedonian church that was poor, they they took up. They did what y'all didn't do. And now Paul tells them, look, the commitment that you guys made, you guys should follow through with that commitment. What do we take from that? I do believe that God will speak to his kids about giving and God will lay upon our hearts what we're supposed to do. And whatever commitment we make, we should keep those commitments. Uh, I believe every family, it should be something that you have prayed about. We talked about that last week. It's not something you come to church and I twist your arm and then you decide to do. I believe that giving is something that you sit at home with your family. You look at what God has blessed you with. You guys pray. You know what? What, what do we want to give? What, what do we believe God would have us to do in worship? You guys decide that as a family, you give it in worship. Um, you give it to where your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing. And the Lord will, will bless that. The Lord will receive that in that way. And so they have made a commitment, but they hadn't kept their commitment. So my encouragement to us would be with regard to our, our giving that you know, the, the commitments that we make to the Lord, that we would keep them, that we'd be faithful to those things. Um, that's what Paul is calling them to here. He's saying, look, you guys made a commitment. When God moves upon our heart to do anything, giving included, we should do it. We should follow through. And now he says something there. He says it is to your advantage. And I wanted to bring that up. So how how would it be to their advantage? In what way is it to their advantage to keep that commitment? And I put down three things. Uh, One, um, obviously, it's to their advantage that as Paul has laid out in the context here, they would be following in Christ's example. Uh, What if Christ made a commitment to come and die? And he got down here and saw how bad it was going to be and then said, nah, 
<laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you know, they're going to have to figure out some other kind of way. You know, I mean, what if he had done that? Thank God he did not. We're going to celebrate communion today and remember what he did for us. But, you know, Christ left us an example. So in one way, it's an advantage that they're they're following the example that Christ laid out. <laughs> Another way that it's, it's to their advantage. We learned last week that it's better to give than what? To receive. So it's better to give. Not that it's bad to receive, because if you're broke and you need to receive, it's a blessing to receive when you're broke. But it's better, better to give than to receive. And we talked about that last week. If you missed it, you can go back. Uh, a third reason is, and this one is, uh, this was a little touchy, but uh, and I, I want to go to, we go to Luke and look at it. Um, I do believe it is true that we we reap what we sow. If if you are a uh, you're a, a loving kind person and, and you that's what you give out you reap what you sow anybody ever seen people that it seems like wherever they go there's drama it's because that's what they sow they sow drama and everywhere they go the drama plant is popping up it's like that's at a point you look at them and say that's you if you just stop sowing like that right if you stop sowing arguments and fussing and fighting you probably stop reaping trees like everywhere you go that's what's around you it is true the bible does teach that hey whatever whatsoever a man sows that he shall also reap. And so if you're writing notes and I wanted to I wanted to go over this verse because it's another kind of popular verse with regard to giving us. So I wanted to I want to do my best to explain it to us. Go to Luke chapter six and we're going to look at 30 to 38 just for context sake. So Luke chapter six, 30 to 38. When you get it saved, got it. Y'all fast. All right. Luke six. Uh, this is in the midst of Luke's uh, rendition of the Sermon on the Mount. The, the, he's gone through the Beatitudes. And in verse 30, he says, give to everyone who asks of you and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you do like to them likewise. If you love those that love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive something back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. Verse 35, love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. If you note there, he says, you know, be love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing in return. He says, your reward will be great. Does he say what the reward will be? But it will be great. In another place, Jesus told his disciples, he says, hey, when they revile and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name, he said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. I don't know what it is, but if God says it's great, if the creator of heaven and earth says it's great, it's great. Whatever it is, you just, you just in faith, God is going to be great. So moving on, verse 36, he says, therefore be merciful just as your father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men, oh sorry, running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So um, here's a Interesting section of scripture. I know this one. This is another one that preaches real good when it comes to giving. Give and it shall be given you. Pressed down, shaking together. Good measure, running over. Man, you know that that just preaches good. You know, I mean, I I could go into that for y'all, but uh, 
Here, here's, here's the idea here, right? Everything he's laying out. First is, you know, give to your enemies. Lend to people, not hope for anything in return. Forgive people and you'll be forgiven back. Lend, you know, uh, be merciful to people. And you're, just like your father in heaven is merciful. God's giving you mercy. You give out mercy. Don't judge in a condemning way. You know, condemn not. At least you also be condemned. He's showing in each case, like, if you do this, this comes back to you. Give forgiveness, you'll receive forgiveness. God be merciful to you, you give out mercy to other people. You know, lend to other people, God's going to reward you for that. And then he says, give. Give what? Just says give. And it will be given to you. And the imagery here, if you look at the manners and customs, uh, back then this is an agricultural society. And so guys would have this apron and all the, you know, the seating that they would go. And, and when, when they say give and it'll be given back to you, good measure and shaking together and running over. The idea was, I was trying to think of things that, you know, we, we, what do we use like that? You know, anybody that's ever, you know, take out the trash. You know, I know when I was a kid, the trash had to be, be full, but I didn't want to empty it yet. So what would you do? And I stick my big old behind up in that trash and then stomp it down and make room for some more trash. I, I get another day out of this trash can if I stomp it down, you know. So, you know, you just instead of emptying it there, you stomp it down. So with them, with their agriculture, you know, if you got wheat and stuff in the bag, if you want to make more room, you had to press it down and shake it. And, and it would just make more room for them to receive more into it. And so when he says give, it'll be given back to you. Good measure. Press down, shaking together, running over, show, you know, so men giving to your bosom. And I did, when I look at the context here, I think he, he's talking about mercy, he's talking about forgiveness. But then he does, when he comes to 38, he just says give. He's, he's, it's kind of been all over the place. You know, he's gone from giving, he's gone to doing good, he's gone to lending, looking for nothing in return, he's gone to loving your enemies. You know, he says again, lend, lend happens twice. Um, then it's giving mercy, then it's not judgment, then it's giving forgiveness, and then it's give. And it will be given. And so in the context, I believe that as I give mercy, mercy is coming back. Merciful people will be merciful. God will show mercy to merciful people. As you give forgiveness, forgiveness is coming back. I do believe, too, as you're a generous person, as you give that God said, look, it, it'll be given back to you. How, when, from where I can't. I don't know. I don't I don't believe that we're to get into that. But that's what it says. You know, that's what it's, I wouldn't say that it doesn't mean that I would I wouldn't take that away from it. I wouldn't say that. This doesn't mean that, you know, anything is, I believe it, it's, that's what it says. It's given, it'll be given back to you. The, the way he explains it, that's, for that culture to be very, the imagery would have been very clear, you know, that it's coming back in, in the same measure that I've, that I've given it out. So what do we take from that with regard to our, our Christian giving? We, we do reap what we sow. You know, I, I, I believe that as we're generous, as we're giving that, you know, if I'm a giver and I'm generous, there'll be times where I come into need. I believe I can look to the Lord and say, God, I, when you have blessed me, I was a good steward. You know, I was faithful with how I used what you gave me. When I had opportunity, I gave to others in need. Uh, I haven't been a bad steward. I've been a good steward. And so now I'm, I'm looking to you to help me. I'm in a jam. But what have you been a bad steward of what God's given you? Can you look for the Lord? Can you if you've been a, if God has given you everything you need and you've been a bad steward of it? Can you say, God, you know, I'm broke. I spent everything you had real quick on stuff I didn't need. I didn't give a dime to nobody in need. I haven't given to the church in forever. Now I'm broke. Can you help me out, Lord? You know, are you in a good position? No, not really. You know, you guys like you broke as you a bad steward. And sometimes that's why people are in, in financial straits. God's like, I give you enough, but you're not faithful with what I give you. You're not a good steward of the things that I do give. You don't manage it well. Part of managing well what God gives us is, is, is being prayerful and careful with how you use your resources and I don't believe you can give too much. I, if, if I run out of money because I gave to meet needs, 
I feel like I'm in a good place to ask the Lord to continue to provide for what I need. If I run out of money because I bought dumb stuff, because I bought a car I didn't need, I, I, I put some rims, I rented, you know, I, I rent to own some rims I don't need, you know, like that'd be some dumb stuff people do. Like you just you rented to own rims, like how could, how could that ever feel like a need, you know? Uh, if you got some rent to own rims, take them back today and, and tell God sorry you spent his money like that. So, <laughs> All right, that was for free. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he had lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there. So Paul felt led to write another letter to these people, expressing some personal things that he learned on his journey and in his ministry. It would seem that some in the Corinthian church criticized Paul's leadership, and so he found it necessary to defend himself to this church. Communicating this type of message is something that's beneficial at times when you feel misunderstood or misrepresented. Any one of us can face those situations at times too, and so discussing it with the other party is useful. We're so glad you tuned into A Transforming Word, and we'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You can always call or text us, too, for more information, 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time for another edition of A Transforming Word.